0: The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We give thanks for your hearts uplifted among us and in worship this morning, whether you are here live at Marsh Chapel in the nave at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, or whether you are listening live on the radio at WBUR 90.9 FM throughout New England, or over the internet at WBUR.org, or if you're listening later to the podcast at BU.edu chapel. My name is Brother Larry Whitney. I have the privilege of serving as University Chaplain for Community Life here at Marsh Chapel. I bear greetings on behalf of our Dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, as he is away in the summer months, but looks forward to being back with us again next Sunday. A very special greeting this morning to our guest preacher, the Reverend Laura Merrill, who is a United Methodist elder and serves as assistant to the Bishop for Clergy Excellence in the Rio, Texas Conference of the UMC. We are especially glad to have her with us here this summer as her hometown of San Antonio continues to suffer the effects of Hurricane Harvey. Thanks for being here and our thoughts and prayers are with your home congregation and conference and all those suffering from the effects of the hurricane. Dear friends, let us stand as we are able in the praise of God. Let us pray. Grant, O merciful God, that your church, being gathered together in unity by your Holy Spirit, may show forth your power among all peoples to the glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Dear friends, we gather week by week a community of faith called in service to service of the living, loving, merciful God. We gather confident that God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's pardon is available to each and all who truly repent. In this confidence, we must declare to those who believe that pardon should be given for loyalty and not repentance, anathema. In peace, let us pray to God, confessing our sins in penitence and faith, that we may receive pardon and forgiveness. Dearly beloved, if we confess our sins in repentance, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them, and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name. Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God We are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, beloved, I'd invite you to join me in reading responsively Psalm one hundred and twenty four with the antiphon. it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. And now, beloved, I'd invite you to stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel.
2: Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Glory Glory to to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ.
3: You may be seated.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Sorry, sorry, sorry. It is a privilege to be with you today, in the presence of both this university campus and the broader listening community. In gratefully accepting Dean Hill's invitation to preach today, I had no idea that it would coincide with the first category Four hurricane to hit the Texas coast since before I was born. So my heart is indeed heavy this morning with concern for many friends whose churches are closed this morning, who might not be even able to tune into this broadcast for lack of power. I ask you to keep those communities of the whole Gulf Coast, including up into Louisiana, in your prayers, not just during this service, but in the long rebuilding time to come. And now will you pray with me? Merciful God of life, new each morning is your word, fresh each morning is your power. And so this day we come as your people to hear again what you would have us know and do. So give us open ears and open hearts, give us willingness to know. We give ourselves to you during this hour. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. I am the proud product of two United Methodist-related institutions of higher learning, Emory University in Atlanta for seminary and Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas, for my bachelor's degree. I'm a trustee of Southwestern now, and the reason I bring this up is that it's been interesting to watch the relationship between the university and the church change over time, even as the role and the place of the church in our broader society has also shifted. You may be acquainted with those in the world around us who are way too smart to find themselves in church. (laughs) You may also be acquainted with churches you are way too smart to be a member of. It is an interesting time. But it is not a time in which the church is exactly sure of what to do with itself. What used to be clear isn't anymore. And the word decline hangs like a cloud over our heads. Yet we are here, in body or in earshot, because we believe there's still something to all of this. The church out there reacts to its changing context either by trying out new venues and songs and language, trying desperately to crack the code and reach old and new generations of people who either stopped listening to us or never started, or we hunker down and sing old songs with fingers in our ears, hoping the place stays open long enough to do our funerals. But there has to be something more to what we are about, doesn't there? Something underneath and above and in the middle, a truth we could not have made up for ourselves. Even as the ground shifts beneath our feet, we hope and we believe there's a deeper foundation still. In today's gospel reading that we just heard, Jesus calls Peter a rock the foundation for the whole church, which is kind of funny knowing what we know of Peter. A rock? Really? Peter is, among other things, boneheaded and selfish, and on his worst day, he denied knowing Jesus at all. Yet Peter, on this day, knew one thing, the one important true thing which was who Jesus really was. And somehow Peter's knowing that one thing combined with the strength of the Jesus truth he knew was itself enough. Peter with all his failings and fear and short-sightedness was able to serve as the foundation of the church because there was something bigger and better at work in him despite himself and he knew it. We are heirs of that foundation, that rock, that truth. Today, this moment, is a time when we as church in this country need to get clear about what that inheritance is and how it lays claim to us. And here in a chapel, a beautiful chapel on a university campus at the intersecting point of faith and knowledge, here is a good place to sit and to ask ourselves, what do we know? What is true? What is the living word which we have received and which Christ calls us to pass along as challenging as the times may be? My story of what I know begins uh, with being a preacher's kid in Texas and getting a full early dose of church. By the time I arrived at college, I was trying on my own adult life, putting intentional space between my parents and myself. I struggled with profound feelings of inadequacy and self-doubt. I studied political science history and Spanish. I worried about all the nuclear weapons we and the Russians had pointed at each other, and I hoped in my life to find a way to help work for peace. I had serious questions about the faith I had inherited. I wondered whether the story of Jesus might have been a fairy tale written to help us live better lives." I learned in college anthropology and then later again in seminary that it's very natural for humans to figure out ways to make meaning of the world, to interpret that world around us, especially the part beyond our control, and that religion is one response to that impulse. I took philosophy courses and tried to decide whether I was a hard or soft determinist. I considered that it's very possible that much of what we call reality is something we've made up. Yet every Thursday, I sat in chapel in a place very much like this. I sang with the University Chorale my whole time in school, and sometimes we had to be there for worship, but I came even when I didn't have to, drawn in by that space, set apart, its height and color, dark and light, cool and quiet, the sound of the organ, and even the smell, which in Texas often includes the aroma of bats. (laughs) That chapel, to this day, feels to me like the embodiment of an alma mater, the mother of my soul, always somehow pointing me up and out while at the same time reaching in deep and bridging the distance between the two. That's actually one way I could describe my whole education, an ongoing process of connection and communication between the deepest place in me and the wild wonder, the out thereness of the world. And as we turn to today's Old Testament text, I hear that same deep and wide soul connection in the reading from Isaiah. You may remember... This prophetic word of Isaiah was a message of hope and consolation to the people of Israel, exiled in the 6th century BCE from their land and seemingly from their identity. They despaired over what would become of them and what it meant that their life in the promised land had been so violently cut off. They must have wrestled with the accusations and judgment of the early prophets who called out the power structure of God's people as unjust and brutal toward the poor. It was a tough and traumatic time as they tried to figure out who they were now in relation to their covenant God. The 40th chapter, which we have the end of here, begins a long section that announces consolation for the people and hope for the future As a pastor, I can tell you that the first verses of Isaiah 40, which we did not read today, are used by the church as readings for Advent, while its final verses, which we did read, are common in the funeral liturgy. This is a big chapter, an important word that resonates across the centuries for people who doubt or wonder or suffer for whatever reason. And the consolation of this word comes in part through the message that God is life at a cosmic level, stretching out the skies as you would pull open the drapes in the morning. Princes and rulers, those with power to wage war and exile whole nations, these wither under the breath of God, these of shallow seed and fragile root, No matter what the people faced, the prophet proclaimed God was bigger. (laughs) Now, we live in a context very different from the one in which this particular text was written, yet much also remains the same. It is intriguing, for example, to consider the rulers of this day as withered shoots blown away by a stiff wind. The crazy roller coaster of news that hurtles us through every week, leaders here and elsewhere, ones you agree with and ones you don't, all blown away by the breath of God? Then there are the oppressive burdens borne by so many in our nation and the world racism, both blatant and unacknowledged, systemic poverty held in place by law and practice. State brutality, civil wars that terrorize the most vulnerable, journeys of fear and flight from one land to another, families seeking refuge on foreign shores, often without finding it. And just as troubling somehow, in the midst of so much suffering, we have become unable or unwilling to experience each other's reality. Especially in this country, we have created bubbles of homogeneity and deafness for ourselves, unfriending and categorizing and writing each other off based on yard signs and Facebook posts. <laughs> We've become begun to believe that there's something fundamentally wrong with those people. We've armed ourselves. We've taken sides and crafted narratives that explain the guilt of the other without challenging or calling ourselves to account. And the weak and the oppressed continue to suffer, discounted as one more special interest group in the mix. How we wish a hurricane like Harvey might wash all of that away, but it doesn't happen like that. So why then do we hope? From the perspective of the heavens, we are grasshoppers of a sort, scattered across the land, small and vulnerable. There is much about this complex life I and we do not know. But what I do know, I have learned in part from a community of people rooted in a God vision, not ready to be conformed to this world, as Paul put it, not ready to say uncle in the face of great destructive power, even when that destructiveness lies within ourselves. I have learned what cannot be proven in the scientific sense, but what I have come to believe in the deeper, deepest fibers of my soul, that there is something bigger than me and us in this life, and not just bigger things that can hurt us, There's a different power at work for good in us and in the world. And we know it because we experience it. We've seen it transform people and even whole communities. The power to which we point as people of faith is that found in the final verses of today's passage. Words of comfort for generations of Jews and Christians and all kinds of people who have wandered into funeral parlors. Because you know it happens. Hard things happen. Youths do sometimes faint and grow weary. Young ones do fall exhausted to say nothing of older ones. Maybe it's happened to you or your community. Maybe it's happening even now. But our proof of power lies in the strength that comes to us from outside ourselves when we are weak. Perhaps it comes from people gathered together as we are today, through music or quiet or the stars strewn above our heads. We may see it when what looks like randomness takes on pattern or when selfishness becomes sacrifice. But it comes. Life and trouble, and death, and evil continue. But strength also comes, and it makes all the difference. One name for that kind of power is love. It is love, I believe, to which this text testifies. Love in the eye of the Holy One without equal, who sits above the circle of the earth, love that Christians receive and proclaim in Christ Jesus, love that centers so many other faith traditions too. It is love that breaks open hearts and minds to the new idea, the different perspective, the stretch that true learning and listening require. It is love that allows us to take seriously testimonies of experiences we haven't had and to lay down power and privilege on behalf of people who aren't accustomed to either. It is love I have always found in spaces like this one and at the gracious table of Jesus Christ, welcoming, feeding, moving me up and out. As church, as university, it is the power of love to which we should witness in this brilliant world, traveling at breakneck pace, in this culture which has trouble remembering what was important five minutes ago, in a land where human hearts are as selfish as forever, yet also yearn beyond words for fullness of life, in this moment we must strive to create disciples of Jesus Christ who will testify to love and its power in their lives and communities. We must be and invite and form people who know there's something important that's bigger than they are, who sit upon the earth like tiny grasshoppers, but who use their compound eyes to take in and know the world, and who use their legs to sing a song of praise. We must testify to being lifted up as on eagle's wings, humbled and empowered by strength that is not our own and inspired to walk and serve and speak out on behalf of others and ourselves. We must be and invite and form mature, compassionate, moral citizens, people with what we call emotional intelligence in addition to all that other intelligence that y'all practice around here. Now, whatever else it might be, I don't know what to call that, but love. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, God does not faint or grow weary. God's understanding is unsearchable. God gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. We have inherited a word, sisters and brothers, a vision, a deep knowledge, a solid rock of truth as our foundation, and our work is far from finished. May God, therefore, bless us with the joy and opportunity of sharing what we know, even in this uncertain and troubling time, as people transformed by love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Dear friends, as we turn our hearts and minds to prayer, I invite you to either remain standing, sit, kneel, or come to the communion rail according to your tradition as we join together in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. In peace, let us pray to God. I will conclude each petition when the storms of life are raging. Please respond. Stand by me. O God of churning waters, we who sail on the ship of faith are fearful that the raging tempests of fear and hatred, of anger and resentment, of terror and injustice, will swamp our ship and drag us down to the deep. Yet we trust that you are full of compassion and mercy and will captain this ship of faith to safe harbor. Gracious God, when the storms of life are raging, stand by me. O Christ who walked on water, Encourage our faith and trust to overcome doubt that the moral arc of the universe, while long, bends toward justice. Grant us courage to hear your call to step out of the boat and come to you, overcoming doubt whipped up by the winds of fear and anger. Savior Jesus, When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. O Spirit who hovered over the face of the waters, Guide our course toward safe harbor, Declaring the light of justice and peace. Comfort us in times of trial. Grant us words and enliven our deeds To stand with the poor and the oppressed and lead us into all truth. Holy Spirit, when the storms of life are raging, stand by me. God of wind and water, we pray especially today for those who are suffering the effects of Hurricane Harvey along the Gulf Coast in Texas and Louisiana. We grieve their loss of life and livelihood and invite a spirit of compassion and generosity to guide all of us in response. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. God of sea and sky, grant to the sailors who died in the collision of the USS John S. McCain eternal rest and may light perpetual shine upon them. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. God of East and West, we pray for students beginning and returning to college and university campuses, especially those moving in at Boston University this week, that they may grow and develop in learning, virtue, and piety in the semesters ahead. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship upon the sea, thou who rulest wind and water, stand by me. And joining our voices together, we pray in the words of one who stands by us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us.
1: Good morning. Good morning. We're delighted to be in worship together with you this morning. We'd love to learn and remember your name better, and we'd love for you to learn the names of your neighbors sitting with you in the pew. One great way to do that is to fill out those little red booklets that are found in the center of the aisle and pass them along to your neighbor. We're especially grateful for the word brought this morning by Reverend Laura Merrill, and we'd invite you to greet her following the service and to greet one another following the service at our coffee hour, which will be held outside today uh, to take advantage of the beautiful weather. I have four very brief announcements. Um, first, next Sunday at 11 a.m. is our university matriculation service. This place will really come alive with returning and new students and family, and we'd invite you to be here and greet them. Um, second, we would note that our Sunday adult book study will be starting up on September 10th. This semester, we're reading Village Green, which is a collection of Dean Hill's sermons. We're doing this in honor of his uh, recent completion of 10 years in ministry to us. Um, Those books are here and available for free in the basement. You can come see me afterwards if you'd like to join the study. Um, And one thing we're asking, um, they're always available for free, but if you want to give, the cost of the book was $23. Dean Hill got them for half off using his author discount, and we'll use that extra money and put it towards the endowment of the deanship um, if you want to make that offering. Uh, Third, uh, Dean Hill asks you to note the special dean's garden party. Mark your calendars for Thursday, September 7th from 4.30 to 6 p.m. It will take place outside right behind us here on the BU beach. There'll be iced tea, snacks, and lawn games, which I'm very excited about, and I hope you are too. And last but not least, I'd like to just take a moment to thank the members of our summer collegium for leading us so faithfully and so well in our music over these summer months. So I'd like you to just give them thanks. now as our ushers come forward to wait upon us for our tithes and our offerings, I'd like to remind you that it is both a gift and a discipline to be a giver.
2: Everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth, receive these tithes and offerings and grant us a renewing of minds so that we may discern your will, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. With your spirit, may we mount up with wings like eagles, run, and not be weary. We pray this in the name of the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ. Amen.
3: you all this life is hard, but it is also glorious. It is joyful. It is spectacular. And we need not know all things. We just need to know one thing. And that is the one thing that the name of God is love. And that that love is the love that made us, that's put the stars in the heavens, and that has our end close to love's heart. So go to be those people who know that one thing to transform the earth in the name and image of Christ. Let God's people say, Amen.